Well, good morning, Renewal. If you're new with us, I just want to say welcome to you. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor here at Renewal Church of Chicago, and it's just good to be with you all. Y'all recover from Thanksgiving? Some of y'all still getting over it, huh? It was good, huh? Good break. Um, how y'all loving this weather right now? Right? It's, December. it's the beginning of December, right? And it's, it's no snow. It's, it's like 50 degrees outside. And burning making barbecues and doing all those good deals you know it is we got shorts on it's good it's like summertime in Chicago right now it's good it's a good time so I won't complain about it we'll just cherish it as long as we can have it amen well if you're new with us as you saw that renewal store we do those uh, we've been doing them a series of each week, but right now we're going to do them. Each time we'll do one, it'll be a connect class. So as Pastor Luke said earlier, right after this service across the hall right here, I think it's room 11, 111, it's going to be a connect class where you can learn about who we are here at Renewal, what we're doing, how, what's our story, uh, get to meet some of our staff, and just how you can get plugged in here at our church. Because uh, we'd love for you to jump in with us, whether that's serving or just going to one of our groups and just see how we can help you get integrated here into the church as well as into the city of Chicago. So please come on, join us there. If you can't, fill out one of those uh, connect cards. They're out on the info table if you didn't get one directly outside of these doors. I love to get to know you. I pray over those each week as well as call you and hopefully sit down with you, take you out some coffee, get some coffee or tea, maybe even a meal, depending on how we're feeling that day, man. But uh, uh, just fill out one of those. I'd love to hear from you guys and you'll hear from me too. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you for being here if this is your first Sunday here at Renewal. Well, uh, before we get into our series, we've been talking about this whole Advent theme, but I, I want to bring one event to your attention, December 24th, December 24th. I don't want any of you guys to go home, all right? Don't go back to mama's house for Christmas. You stay here, all right? December 24th, we're having, it's going to be called A Night with the King. So if you missed our last worship night and you love the worship here at Renewal, you don't want to miss this. It's going to be a, a, an hour full of worship, 4 to 5 p.m., Night with the King. It's going to be us. We're, also, we're hosting it. We're going to do most of everything. There's going to be two other churches here, Legacy Fellowship. They've done it with us the last couple of years, I think. And then Painted Door will be here, too, with us. So we'll fill this place up, and we're going to just sing praises to our glorious King as we reflect on Jesus coming to the earth. So December 24th, it'll be here. We're going to have this place lit up. It's going to be awesome. I hope that you will be here. Bring your friends and family too. Just an hour so you can get home and go and get some food and get ready for uh, your own Christmas Eve. Amen. Well, today marks the second week of our Advent series entitled Behold the King. Where in each of these four sermons specifically, they're going to point to the coming of Jesus as I just talked about. That's what Advent means. It means this whole, this expectant arrival of Jesus. We're expecting him to come. We're waiting on him to come. And since he's already come, what it is for us believers right now is we're reflecting on the fact that Jesus came to this fallen world for us. And he came here and he died for us. So the greatest gift of all we get to receive during this time, we get to behold the glory of God in flesh. Hence the name of this series, Behold the King. You'll see that word behold in each one of these texts that we read from throughout the next couple of weeks. You'll see that as we're walking through these different sermons. This is why this time of year is so special. This is why this time of year is so special. It's the fact that this time of year is we get to receive, we received Jesus. It's the greatest gift of all. Nothing else, it compares 
to Jesus coming to this earth. As we saw last week, there were people all throughout the world at the time, throughout history and centuries and centuries that looked forward to Jesus coming, to this Messiah coming. And as believers, we celebrate his coming, but we look to a day where he's coming back. Amen. Amen. Speaking of last week, we took a walk through the Bible and we saw that how God pre-planned the arrival of the coming Messiah all the way back from Genesis. And by seeing this, what we realize is that God doesn't do anything by coincidence. He always works on purpose. We saw that Jesus' coming was for everybody, the lowest and the highest, the rich and the poor. He came for everybody. And this week, what I want to do is I want to take a look at Jesus' mother, where, where she gives birth to Jesus, where, where, where she's singing this song of praise because Jesus is coming into this world. She, she gets to behold the glory of God, but not only is she beholding the glory of God, she gets to do so in her womb. So if you have your Bible, why don't you open up with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet if you're able with me as we read the word of God. If you got it, why don't you say got it? Got it. Starting in verse 46, the text reads... And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. These are the very words of God, amen. Today I want to speak on the topic simply, and it's a question more than a topic. Is Jesus better? Is Jesus better? Before we go any further, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your goodness and just who you are. Lord, I just pray that you would cover our time right here, that you'd fill this place up with your spirit, that you would decrease me so that you may increase. Father, have your way in this place. Together we said in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. You may be seated. True story. And some of you have seen this movie before, Chariots of Fire. But in 1924, Eric Liddell, he would do something that would shock the world. Eric Liddell was known to be one of the fastest men in the history of track and field. 
He was known for his different style of running where he'd run with his head kicked back to the sky, arms flailing all around. That's not how you run track if you've ever run track, but this brother was one of the fastest in the world, so who could tell him anything? He was known for his different style of running, but that wasn't the only thing that was different about Eric. He's a superstar, but he was really known for his faith in Jesus Christ. And in the 1924 Olympics, Eric was scheduled to run his best race, a race that he for sure was going to win the gold in. And it it was the 100-meter race. Everybody knew that Eric would win this race, but there was a problem with this race because it fell on the Sabbath day for Eric. It's Lord's Day. And by running this, he knew that he, he would be breaking one of the Ten Commandments. No work on the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day. This is where you should rest. And for him, this day was a day where he didn't work at all. This happened to be Sunday. So Eric, without a flinch, said, I'm not running the race. Said, I'm not running the race. And there was an uproar all across the the Olympic Committee. And many tried to get him to run. The Olympic Committee even came to him and said, look, look, you can go to church first. You can go to church and then afterwards we'll do the race. One guy had the audacity to come to him and say, look, well, the continental Sabbath day only lasts till noon. (laughs) Eric said, well, look, mine lasts all day. (laughs) Well, it was Sunday, July 6, 1924, the day of the race, and Eric went to church. Afterwards, he went to the race and he sat in the stands and he watched the very race go by that he was supposed to be in, that he was supposed to win. Everybody knew that he would win this. I can't imagine the thoughts that were going through Eric's head as he sat in the stands and he watched this race going on. But no matter the thoughts or anything that was, he was feeling, his commitment to God was that much greater. In the next week, Eric went on to win the bronze in the 200 meter and the gold in the 400 meter, a race that he should never have even placed, but with God's help, he did. And although he won those races, he would be remembered by his faith and who he stood for, which was Jesus. His daughter would say these words. Look at them with me. This is how she remembered her father. She said this. She said, the gold for the 400 meter was lovely, but not the most important thing. I truly believe that had he run on Sunday and sold out his principles, he would not have won. He would not have had that fire. He was running for God. Eric gave up the one thing he worked so hard for, the one thing that he trained for in order to give God glory, in order to honor him. You see, his relationship with God was worth far more than any medal, any gold medal, anything else. And the question we must answer today, Renewal, is how much is our relationship with God worth? Are we truly committed to him? The question is, is Jesus better? Is he better? See, in our culture today, there are too many people that straddle the fence of commitment in everything they do, whether it's relationships or jobs or family, religion, we can go on down the list. Commitment is becoming a lost value in our society. So I have to ask you, What is it, or who is it, or what are you sold out to? What is it that you give your all to? Is Jesus 
better. In our passage today, we're going to see Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's going to show us how believers should answer this question, how we should respond to this question, what true devotion looks like to Jesus. I have two points, and I'm going to get out your way. Number one, following Jesus means death to self. And number two, Jesus is better. Let me say those again. Following Jesus means death to self. And number two, Jesus is better. Our text today, I love this text. It's a song. It's Mary's song, and it's a song that magnifies the Lord. It's it's traditionally called the Magnificat. It's where we get the word magnify. This is a hymn of praise and thanksgiving, and we see this in her words that she uses when she begins this song in verse 46. Look at it with me. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Meaning that her whole being, every ounce of her is caught up with praise or overwhelmed with praise. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. See, she is rejoicing in the news of her coming Savior. It's a simple fact that that she gets to behold the glory of God. The glory of God in flesh in Jesus. Not only on this earth, but in her womb. Now, family, this is significant. If you know anything about the background of of the virgin birth, this is very significant. See, See, when we think about the virgin birth, we think about how glorious it is. We think about how wonderful it is that our Savior came to the world. But when you really start to think about this and you take an in-depth look at all that Mary had to go through, her words right here saying she wants to magnify the Lord, that's pretty significant. It's pretty significant. See, Mary is rejoicing in her coming Savior and God regardless of her circumstances, regardless of what's going on in her life right now. Mary here is saying, every ounce of me magnifies the Lord despite my circumstance. Now, some of y'all looking at me like, you don't know what I'm talking about, so let me break this down a little bit. Hang on, be with me for a little bit. Stick with me. You see, like most songs... And all my music aficionados in here would know exactly what I'm saying like when I mean this. Like most songs, you have to know what's happening around that person's life or what's going on in their life to really appreciate what they're singing about, right? See, so, so to understand this song, we got to take a look at who Mary is, what's going on in her life, what's going on around her situation. Because here's the thing, when we truly understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us, it leads us to song. It causes us to worship. It leads us to praise. When you come in contact with an almighty God, knowing all that he has done for you, and you truly understand that, it leads us to worship. So the question is, why is Mary worshiping right now? What's really going on here? Mary, as we all know, she's the mother of Jesus. But if you look at this, starting in verse 26, you see the problem with this. The problem with this and the miraculous fact is that Mary is a virgin. And she's having a child, which means that she's never laid with a man. So this really doesn't make sense. Now, I know you guys are Bible experts and you, you know that. So you're like, Pastor D, where are we going with this? I know that she's a virgin. Stick with me. Friends, hear me. This is not just some miracle that Mary has this baby as a virgin. This was a major, 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 can I say it again, major problem in society. 
This was a major problem. See, scholars say that Mary was no more than 15 years old. More probably like 13 years old because that was the, de- that was the legal age where a woman, a young woman, could be betrothed or legally promised to a man. She was betrothed, which meant that there was a legal agreement, a binding agreement between her father and the husband-to-be. And during this engagement process, she was not allowed to lay with a man, including her fiancé. There, there was no sex outside of this union. This should not have happened. So this is a major problem. So when Mary walks out, y'all, when she walks out in the middle of the town with the little baby bump on, ain't nobody happy. Nobody's rubbing on her stomach like, is it a boy or is it a girl? Nobody's fighting over who's going to throw the best baby shower. No, people are like, yo, yo, stone her. What, she, she, she's went outside of what she's supposed to do. She, 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 she's laid with somebody. If, if it's not Joseph, she's, she's had sex outside of the time she's supposed to. Nobody wanted to hear God put this baby in my stomach. I mean, Joseph, the man she's about to marry, was getting ready to divorce her quietly. You see this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. He's about to divorce her quietly because he cannot believe any of this mess. And an angel had to come to him and reveal to him that I I told her this was going to happen. God put this there. And and this is the only way I believe that he could believe this. I mean, friends, women were stoned for things like this. I mean, let one of my girls come home at 14 years old talking about I'm pregnant and and God put this in me, y'all. An angel told me that God put this baby in me, y'all. I'm going to go buy a shotgun from the street, down the street, and I'm going angel hunting later that night. I'm telling y'all, this doesn't make any sense. God impregnated me. Could you imagine this? Your daughter or your wife-to-be walking around talking about God impregnated me. Nobody wants to hear that. That doesn't make any sense. Mary doesn't even believe it, though. I mean, look at verse 34. In chapter 1, she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel, not just anybody, says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Then, as if the angel knows that probably isn't good enough, that's not enough evidence, because if an angel told me this, oh, yeah, that sounds really good, right? God's going to give me a baby. That sounds really good. The angel knows that she's doubting right now, so he says, look, look, look. You know your old cousin, Elizabeth, you know, you know your cousin? The one that can't have a baby, you know that one? She's barren. Well, she's pregnant right now. Why don't you go see her? As soon as she's done with the angel, Mary drops everything. She packs her bag. She goes on a journey, and she visits her cousin Elizabeth. She walks in, sees her six months pregnant, and she greets Elizabeth. And as soon as she greets Elizabeth, the baby, John the Baptist, leaps inside of her stomach because he hears the voice of the mother carrying his Savior. Elizabeth immediately says, blessed are you among women because of the fruit of your womb. Friends, I hope you see the picture here. See, the virgin birth was both problematic and miraculous. The virgin birth was not one that was praised by most people unless they knew of it. 
They didn't know about it. So it was miraculous because God is the only one that could really do something like this. I mean, God's the only one that could take someone or something that seems impossible and make something possible out of it. I mean, but it's just like God to do this. It's just like God to use someone or something that nobody else would think of in order to glorify himself. He uses a 14-year-old girl to bring Jesus into the world. This brings us to our first point. Following Jesus means death to self. Now, I know this may sound pretty harsh, but stick with me. I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood. I could picture Mary walking through Nazareth with people giving her the stank eye. And if y'all don't know what that means, it's the evil eye. Somebody looking down upon her, calling her out of her name. Friends saying, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Family disowning her. It, it's, it's just her and Joseph, and that's all. I mean, and that's only after a vision. Friends, what I'm trying to say is that if you, if you haven't caught it by now, is that sometimes when we're walking for God, when we're, we're on this road, this Christian walk with him, it can be a lonely journey. Sometimes when God calls us to do something, better yet live for him, sometimes it can be very lonely. I mean, looking at this text, there's only a handful of people that really know and believe what's going on with Mary is true. I mean, you got Zachariah and his wife, uh, Elizabeth, who are the parents of John the Baptist, then you got Mary and Joseph. I mean, that's four people out of literally thousands of people. And really, it's only two because Elizabeth and, and Zachariah are in Judah. So it's really Mary and Joseph all by themselves. Friends, hear me again. It can sometimes be a lonely journey when you're walking with God. Here's the Savior of the world coming, and no one believes or knows except four people. I mean, it's easy to look at the virgin birth and say, wow, Mary got to deliver Jesus. And yes, it's great, but being Mary would not have been fun. Her life as she knew it was over, it was done. Her life as she knew it was all, it was done, it was over. Mary and Joseph would have become outcasts for the rest of their lives because Mary would have always been known as the woman who slept outside of marriage. And Joseph would have been known as the man who accepted her just like that. Some of y'all are still not following me, so let me put it this way. Sometimes living for Jesus poses problems for us because it causes us to die to who we want to be or who we are at that present moment. Hear me, though, Renewal. It, it's not anything that you do to change yourself. It's not that. It's just that when you really come to understand who Jesus is, he begins to change your heart. Your motivations become different. Your outlook on life becomes different. Your life becomes about him and others more than yourself. This is why or what can make the Christian walk hard because walking with Jesus does change you. And you may not want to change. Now, I said this before, but it's not you, hear me, it's not you doing the changing. But when you come to embrace the goodness of who Jesus is and what he's done for you, he changes you. We don't change ourselves, the gospel changes us. 
I've shared part of this with you before, my story, a little bit with some of you also, you may remember it, but when I accepted Jesus Christ, it was right before I went to college. I was going to college to play football on a full-ride scholarship to Indiana University. Uh, it was my dream, but it was really an idol. It was an idol in my heart, and, and, and I, I, it was the thing that I wanted the most in life, and I got there to play, and I felt like I should not play anymore. So me, being the bullheaded guy that I am, I knelt down on the floor and I told God, see this is where I messed up, I told God something, who am I to tell God anything? I knelt down on the field and I said, look God, if you don't want me to play football, you better make me stop today. That same day, I got an injury, nonetheless I realized I don't tell God anything. And on top of that, I was a direct admit into the Kelly School of Business down at Indiana University. It was a pretty prestigious honor to walk into the school. I wanted to be a business major. I was going to be this big-time businessman, make all this money. These were the dreams. I was pretty good with money and people. I, I, I thought this was exactly what I was going to do. And then I got in there, and I started feeling the same feeling, like I shouldn't play football. I, should, I shouldn't be in the business school. And I was like, well, I ain't going to tell God nothing this time. So let me, let me just start bargaining with God a little bit. All right, God, if I do this, you, you can get this, and if you do this, then I can get this. Y'all ever bargain with God on anything? Don't act like y'all ain't never done that. I'm bargaining with God, and, and, and nonetheless, that didn't work. So, so I said, okay, let me leave this school, and I went into the pre-med program, and I said, well, I know some doctors in my family, I, I, and I got right into that program, I directly admitted into that, and, and I'm like, all right, cool, they even gave me some money. I was like, look, God, I can go through this program, and I can help people, and I can make some money. <laughs> the feeling continually arose in my heart, and, 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 and all the while, I'm taking these elective classes in communication and culture, which is the study of people, literary works, and speech, and I was loving it. I was also taking other classes in African-American history, but I, these are elective classes. I'm like, Lord, I can't make any money doing this stuff. How can I provide for anybody doing this? But see, what, 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 what I didn't realize is that at that same time, my wife and I, girlfriend at the time, we had started this ministry to African-American students on campus, and it was taking off. It was blowing up. I was preaching every week doing Bible studies. People were getting saved, walking with the Lord. The campus was changing. It was amazing. See, God was, was trying to show me that this is what you're going to do, and much of that will involve, watch this, the study of people, cultures, history, and speech. Let me say that again. Much of this will involve the study of people, Cultures, history, and speech. And sadly, DP, you might not make a whole lot of money doing it. <laughs> See, I believe God knew that if I became a businessman or a doctor, I probably wouldn't have served him with all of my heart. Now, now hear me, that does not mean that you can't be a businessman or, or a doctor and, and serve God with all of you, but God knew my real motivations behind my aspirations to be a doctor or a businessman, and he started some heart work on me early on to get me where he wanted me to be. See, God was killing my desire to glorify myself in order for me to glorify him. See, friends, what, what I'm trying to get at and say is that when we come to know Jesus, he changes us. Jesus' work in our lives forces us to die to ourselves and live for him, which is problematic. It's problematic only because your life is no longer in your hands. 
It's no longer in your hands. You're no longer in control. He is. And if we're honest, this is probably what scares us the most about the Christian faith. Because your life and your choices aren't solely up to you. And that's a problem for our culture because we dwell in a state in our culture where we want to control everything. What job to take, what house to buy, what car to buy, what spouse to choose. Did you know that when we fear, it's really the fact that we're struggling with control? Because when you, you only fear things that you cannot control. But see, when we fail to seize control, and let God have the will of our lives, we're really failing to believe that he's better. We're failing to believe the gospel. We're failing to believe that, that God is for me, that he will never leave me nor forsake me, that he seeks the good of me. We're failing to believe that he's for me. See, we forget his promise, and we put self on the throne, and we take God off the throne. But see, this is why I love Mary. That's why I love this song right here and what's happening with her because she does just the opposite. When called to do something crazy for God, knowing that it's literally going to end her life the way she knows it, she submits and she just holds on to him. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord, which means there's no room for doubt. There's no room for control. It's not about my desire. It's about you, Lord. It's not about me anymore. It's about you. This is why she can say, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Renewal, let me ask you, are you truly rejoicing in Jesus this morning? Have you died to self, given him your life, all of you? Are you letting him work on you, possibly change some stuff in your life, shift some things around? Are you submitting and saying, God, do with me as you will? Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, well, I see Mary doing all of this and that's really great, but it's not that easy. How do I really give God my all? How do I lay it all down? How do I say, here I am, God? How do I give him all the glory? How does my soul really magnify the Lord? And this brings us to our last point, which is in order to do that, we have to believe that Jesus is better. We have to believe he's better. Friends, when we truly know that Jesus is Savior and can take care of us, all else, including our wants, our desires, don't matter because what's better than having Jesus? A new, a new house? The Bible says that Jesus has a house for me in heaven. Check this out, with no alarm on it, no ruckus or noise out on the street, and y'all better amen this one, no mortgage or taxes. Jesus is better. What's better? Uh, 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 I need a new job. I need more money in my pocket. Okay, well, the word tells me that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and, and, and it also tells me that all my needs and, and everything I need are, are supplied in Jesus Christ, not only here on earth, but also in heaven. I mean, G Jesus is simply better. Okay, let's, let's keep going. Well, I, I need a man or I need a woman by my side. 
The Bible tells us that Jesus will be there through the thick and the thin. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He will be with you not just for this lifetime, but the one after this. Friends, Jesus is better. He's better. See, when we understand the true, familiar, the, the true fulfillment of, of who Jesus actually is in our lives, then like Mary, our soul and every ounce of us can say, we magnify you. We can give him all of us. So friends, ask yourselves, is Jesus better? Is he better? Fill in the blank. Whatever's in your heart, whatever feels like it, it, it's such a priority in your life, whether it's a man or a, a woman, your, your, your house, your car, your kids, fill in the blank. Is Jesus better? Is he better? See, it's an amazing place to be in when we realize Jesus is bigger and better than anything in our lives because we can now have freedom from worry. See, this is where Mary is. She, she knows he's better, so she has freedom from worry. She has freedom from stress and pain and temptations because he is better. See, Mary realizes that Jesus is better even in the midst of her circumstances, and she starts to rattle off praise. Now that you know the context that's surrounding this song, let's read this again. Look at it with me, starting in verse 46. She says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. You see, without breaking down this word for word, but by simply knowing the context and knowing what's going on around you, you can hear the passion behind her praise. We can now hear the thankfulness behind her praise. We can now hear her worship. Friends, Mary's life as she knew it had come to an end, but her life was nothing in comparison to the promise of a savior that she held within her womb. Jesus is better. She gave up everything for him. Friends, I, I ask you again, is he better? As we end, I wanna end with this. There's this song that I, I love by Austin Stone Worship. It's called Jesus is Better. And I, I just want to look at some of the lyrics with you. Take a look at these words with me as I read them. It says, glory, glory, we have no other king but Jesus, Lord of all. Raise the anthem, our loudest praises ring. We crown him Lord of all. In all this is the part I love. In all my sorrows, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. In all my victories, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Than any comfort, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. More than all riches, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Our souls declaring, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. 
our song eternal Jesus is better. Make my heart believe glory, glory. We have no other king but Jesus, Lord of all. Friends, again, I ask you, is Jesus better? Is he better than any sorrow? Is he better than any victory? Is he better than any comfort? Better than any riches? Do you believe the words of this song, is Jesus better? See, friends, Mary may not have known all that Jesus was going to do. She didn't know how he was going to do all of these things. She didn't know these things, but she knew that he was God and he was Savior. And it led her to a song. It led her to worship. See, when we truly know Jesus is our Savior and God, nothing else matters. And it leads us to praise because he's better. So I leave you with that same question. Is he better? And if you're struggling with this fact or answering this question, is he better? I want you to pray the words of that song. Make my heart believe. Make my heart believe. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much.